I think that's an important and valuable thing for us as believers in Christ. Sometimes it's good to rehearse God's past works in our lives to just give us that reassurance that we belong to Jesus. The things that he has done for us, how he has spared us, how he has spoken to us, how he has saved us. And to know, Lord, you have worked. You've worked in my life in the past. Lord, I trust that you'll work in my life in the present. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taken you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter thirteen. It's been a wonderful journey in First and Second Corinthians really looking as Paul in First and Second Corinthians, really desiring to edify, build up the church, to get them to get their focus back on the Lord because they had become distracted. And I fear the church here in the United States at large, and even us personally, have become distracted. Our attention has been focused on things that may not necessarily be sinful or bad or could be, but just distracting to the role, the purpose that God has for our lives as individuals and as a body of Christ. So as the epistle of 2 Corinthians closes out, Paul used this letter to prepare the Corinthians for his upcoming visit. He had written previous letters to them we know of three mentioned, two recorded for us. We have First and Second Corinthians, but he refers to a third letter that was written, and some believe that he may have made allusions to a fourth letter that was written, those not being preserved for us in God's word, but these we have. And we learn in First and Second Corinthians the purpose that Paul had was to express his love toward the Corinthians to remind them of his position in the Lord's church because that had come into question, but also to build up, to edify the body of Christ. There was also the issues that we have looked at over the last few weeks of the false apostles, the deceitful workers who had actually made their way into the Corinthian church and they had caused people to stray from their faith. They had become confused regarding what truth exactly 
was. Because these false apostles, these deceitful workers had come into the Corinthian church preaching another Jesus, having different spirits and having a different gospel. And here in the United States, we do know that there are churches out there right now that they are preaching another Jesus. They have different spirits and they have a different gospel. So Paul used these two epistles to prepare them for his coming, but also for an offering that they were collecting for the church in Jerusalem that at this time, financially, they were really struggling. And Paul wanted to send a love gift to them from the churches that he had ministered to in his third missionary journey, specifically where we're at as he's writing this letter. He's toward the end of his third missionary journey. And the gift, the monetary gift that they were sending was in thanks to the spiritual gift that they had received because of the church in Jerusalem sending out missionaries, sending out apostles from Jerusalem to be obedient to the command of the Lord to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. The Corinthians had become believers in Jesus Christ. And so Paul, not only wanting to prepare them for the offering that he wouldn't have to deal with it when he arrived, he did winter with them. We learn in Acts 20 verses two and three that he spent three months there. And so he wanted to just have a, a good time with the brothers and sisters, not having to deal with the struggles that they've been going through. And so through his letters, he had hoped to encourage the Corinthians while dealing with a few of these troubling issues. And he closes out. Today, we find two words that I found interesting. I made it our title today. Two words that appear uh, in the last few verses of this chapter. Become complete. It was a call of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church. Become complete. And so today we're going to look at this message that I entitled Become Complete. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and we see in verses 1 through 6, by the power of God. In verses 7 through 10, edification, not destruction. And finally, verses 11 through 14, grace, love, and communion. I want to go ahead and open us up by reading the first two verses. Ask God to bless the teaching of his word. 2 Corinthians 13, verses 1 and 2. This will be the third time I am coming to you. And by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. I have told you before and foretell as if I were present the second time. And now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest that if I come again, I will not spare. Father, I pray that you would just Open your word to us today, Lord, speak to us. We know that you can, and we look to you, Lord, to do so in our lives today. We need to hear from you. And Lord, we confess that sometimes the reason we cannot hear is because we have allowed too many distractions to crowd out the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our hearts. Sometimes, Lord, it is an, a battle of the intellect 
versus the hearts. And we just have questions in our minds that seem unresolved when it comes to the word of God. And yet we struggle in our heart as people of faith. I pray, Father, that you would work in our midst today, that you would speak to your people, that you would bring healing and hope in the midst of our trials and our struggles. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So he speaks about in verses one and two of being a threefold witness. And he did so by talking about his visits to the Corinthian church. He actually said, this will be the third time that I'm coming to you. But as you read through it, he talks about, I've told you before. So one of the previous visits and foretell as if I'm present. I'm talking to you right now and I'm writing it a second time in this letter. And then when I show up the third time, I tell you, I will not spare. And so what he's setting the Corinthian believers up for is dealing with the issues that's been going on in their church that he used what has been given to us from Scripture in both the Old and New Testament about a threefold witness where he quoted in verse one, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. And so he speaking to them, wanting to bring correction into their lives and basically saying that if it's not corrected or resolved by the time I get there this third time, I'm going to deal with this situation. He had been accused by the false teachers, the um, corrupt brothers of saying that Paul was heavy in his letters, but weak in his presence. And, and Paul saying, I'll show you that I'm not weak. I'll show you my strength. Back in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul wrote, I have determined this within myself, that I would not come again to you in sorrow. For if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad, but the one who is made sorrowful by me? So Paul's talking about this third visit as he's coming again at the beginning of his letter he says I'm resolved I don't want to make you sorrowful I don't want it to be a difficult situation when I show up I want to get these issues out of the way that when I'm wintering with you for those three months and we know that he spent three months with them I want it to be a blessed time of fellowship Paul's second visit apparently had brought them sorrow and he hoped that they would now gain gladness and that gladness would be the theme of his upcoming visit. But nevertheless, he warned them in anticipation of this third visit that if things were not dealt with within their church, then as part of that threefold witness, he would deal with them. I said that this passage comes from the Old Testament. He's quoting from Deuteronomy 19:15, where it says, one witness shall not arise against a man concerning any iniquity or sin that he commits by the mouth of two or three witnesses. The matter shall be established. And so this was a law in Israel by the mouth of two or three witnesses. A matter shall be established. Jesus picked up on this in Matthew 18 verses 15 through 17 when talking about dealing with a sinning brother properly from Matthew 18, or we would say today dealing with a sinning brother or sister. 
He says in Matthew 18, 15, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go to him, tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Verse 17, and if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen, like a tax collector. And so Jesus used the same principle of a threefold witness. First, to go to an individual that uh, has sinned against you. There's struggle. There's trial between the two of you. Go to that person alone. Tell them what's going on. If they fail to listen, bring one or two, Jesus said. But notice that he said that you might gain if he repents, you've gained a brother. That's the whole purpose of this. You don't bring one or two or even get the church involved that you gain up. You know, like we're going to bring trouble down on you if you don't uh, walk in line or obey. The purpose is to gain a brother or sister in Christ. And we know in this life that everyone has disagreements which left unresolved can leave wounded or severed relationships. And in this threefold process of reconciliation, of restoration, should be our chief goal. If we truly want to resolve conflict with a brother or sister, then we have to be willing to set aside our pride, seek forgiveness, and remember as we forgive those who have hurt us, our forgiveness can lead to repentance which can lead to restored relationships where we gain back a brother and sister in Christ. And here Paul is desiring restoration with the Corinthian church. There were issues going on in the church that had been reported to him, either by Titus or we know through letters that had been written to him as well. And he's trying to work these things out. But he said, if they are not worked out by the time I arrive, I will not spare. We're going to deal with this. He, he kind of had this three-strike rule. All right, three strikes, and you're out, man. I'm dealing with this one. Paul's wanting restoration. And so he says to them about the power of God that lives in you. In verses 3 and 4, and also he's reminding them that the power of God that's in him is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says in verses 3 and 4, since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, and we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. As I previously mentioned in our study, and actually in First and Second Corinthians, the Corinthians had questioned Paul's authority. They'd actually wondered if he was actually an apostle of Jesus Christ. It was the false brethren who had come in that had twisted their minds against Paul and his missionary team. Therefore, Paul reminded them of their own conversion, that Christ was in them. When Paul first came to Corinth preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Spirit moved upon the church in such a mighty way, we read in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3. He says, 
Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Paul's just reminding the Corinthians in this letter to look at the work that Christ has done in your life in the past and know that you are his. I think that's an important and valuable thing for us as believers in Christ. Sometimes it's good to rehearse God's past works in our lives to just give us that reassurance that we belong to Jesus. It's good to rehearse our own history with the Lord, the things that he has done for us, how he has spared us, how he has spoken to us, how he has saved us. And to know, Lord, you have worked. You've worked in my life in the past. Lord, I trust that you'll work in my life in the present. Paul reminded them that though Jesus was crucified in weakness, he says he lives by the power of God. He lives by the power of God. And so too, though we are weak, we live by God's power working in our lives and through our lives. Jesus Christ crucified in weakness. We read of this in Philippians 2 verses 7 and 8, where the Bible tells us, he made himself of no reputation, taking on a form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He came in weakness. He humbled himself. The weakness was the flesh that he put on. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, God in flesh. The weakness was the flesh that he put in our flesh. Yet he was without sin. He allowed himself to be put on the cross to die a painful death that we might be brought into fellowship with him. Though he died in weakness, Paul said he lives by the power of God. And though we function in weakness, we still are in the flesh. We are weak in our flesh. And yet the power of God working through us. Paul said, we minister in the power of God. God works in our life through his power for those who surrender their lives to his son, Jesus Christ. And so he challenges them in verses five and six. Examine yourselves as to whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Paul compels them to examine and test their own relationship with Christ. As I said before, it's good to rehearse those things that the Lord has done in our lives. How those moments, significant moments, in fact, I would encourage you to Take time to even write them down if you have never done it before. Take time and think about the first time you thought about the question of faith, where you were at, the age you perhaps might have been. First time you experienced the Spirit speaking to your heart, 
the response perhaps you had toward the Lord when you surrendered your heart to Jesus as your Savior, to write these things down, to rehearse them. They are our testimonies, but they are also a way to examine and to test ourselves, our relationship with the Lord. This Greek word for examine, it means to prove or to put to the test. It's actually a determination of one's weakness or strength that they may have. To test properly, it means to test metals. But uh, we would look at it in the context of the passage of really proving the hope, the expectation that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the work that Christ is doing in our lives. And this word for disqualification here, it's actually a word that refers to being of no value to be proven worthless. And he said, I trust that you are not that. He goes, I know that we are not. So Paul understood he had that surety of his own salvation with Jesus Christ. He knew where he was at in his walk and relationship with Christ. He challenged the Corinthian believers to test, to see where they were at in their own walk, their relationship with Christ. But Paul had witnessed the work of Christ in the Corinthian church. Paul had saw things, and here's some something that's, I think, really important for the body of Christ to worship together. Today, worshiping together is quite different at times. Worshiping together could actually mean that uh, we're doing emojis on Facebook while the preacher's preaching and making comments and people are commenting back and forth, but there's a community there. I love it that the body of Christ can come together and still worship, but that is being challenged in our own country, which is shocking for all of us, but it is. So it's going to be a challenge, but it's good for the body of Christ. And this is the point that I wanted to get to. Sometimes other people can remind you of the things that they have seen in your life that you have not even paid attention to or noticed. And Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 3.3, 3, Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Paul saw in them what they could not at this present time see in themselves. And I think that's why fellowship is so important, because we can help encourage our brothers and sisters in the gifts that perhaps we see in them, how God is working and operating in their lives to give them the strength, spiritual strength that they are searching for in their own lives. He just reminded me how quickly the Lord can work in an individual's heart and work change that is permanent when that heart is willing to be open to the Lord. Realize that we are saved by the power of God through Christ and no others, and it's only Christ that can bring rest to our souls. Today we've seen a message entitled Become Complete, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And our first point, by the power of God, verses 1 through 6, we discovered that we are saved by the power of God through Christ and no other. Second, we learned that the work of Christ in our lives is for edification, not for destruction. 
And may it be that we would be edified in our faith for the glory of Christ to whom we belong. And that of grace, love, and communion in verses 11 through 14, we close by learning that we can become complete. We can be, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace because of the grace, love, and communion of our holy God. So, Father, we pray and thank you this day, Lord, for the work that you've done in our midst. And the Lord, Lord, I pray the work that you may continue to do. For I know, Lord, that choosing a time of when you work in someone's heart isn't necessarily on a Sunday morning in the sanctuary at the altar call. It could be between Sunday school and church walking upstairs or while we're driving home or before we go to sleep at night. Whatever the case might be, Lord, we ask that you would work. Work in our hearts, Lord. Work in this church. We do pray, Lord, for a spirit of revival to descend upon this place, descend upon our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.